I want to get closer to the dream. Find out what I mean on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello there, everyone. I'm Dr. Johnny, and this is another episode of Pushback. I want to start with a public service announcement uh, regarding my podcast. Um, For whatever reason, uh, my schedule, um, as many of you know, I'm an ER doctor and I work nights. And I've been working a lot of Mondays and Tuesdays. And so normally I do my podcast. I record it on Tuesday and we release it first thing on Wednesday. I'm going to move it back one day. Uh, I'm going to record on Wednesday and release it on Thursday. Uh, And the reason is, is I've just been working a lot more Mondays and Tuesdays uh, for whatever reason. And it just gets to be too much. I get a little bit tired. So that just gives me an extra day uh, to sort of collect my thoughts and collect my data and my research. Um, So... Stay tuned for that change. Most likely next week, I'll be releasing it on Thursday um, instead of Wednesday. So don't feel like I've stopped. I think today's is going to be a little bit late. (laughs) I'm releasing it on Wednesday, but it's going to be a little bit late uh, for those reasons. I've been putting a lot of hours in this week. So if you're watching me on YouTube, I might look a little more bleary-eyed than usual. But it's always my pleasure to come before you every week and just share my heart. I have a very interesting topic, I believe, today somewhat an infuriating topic, but I hope um, it'll be something that just helps you again in discussion about race relationships. I have said um, ever since going all the way back to George Floyd and the things that have been happening that we need to keep touching on the subject of race. Obviously, when you look at the headlines, it's everywhere and sort of the woke society is uh, going in a direction that I believe is not beneficial uh, for us and for our society and for our culture. And this podcast is all about culture. It's about God's culture. It's about his heavenly culture here on earth. And so we need to keep that in our forefront and in, um, uh, in our vision that, that we need to have goals. We need to have a direction. Um, otherwise, it's just whoever yells the loudest is who gets heard. And it's starting to frustrate me because really what we should be after is what's the best for us, what's the best for our society, what's the best for our culture, what's the best for our family. And, uh, and so I believe that we can actually have a real conversation about this. Um, and we can have a real conversation about race. I'm not intimidated to jump into the fray of this conversation even as a, quote, white man. Although you know that my skin color is brown. I'm actually more brown now in the middle of the summer. I tend to get quite tan. Uh, and and so I'm, I, I'm not afraid to enter into this conversation because it has everything to do with me everything to do with my family, everything to do with the way that I look at the world and look at other people with darker brown skin than me, which sounds kind of silly because we are all are brown skinned. And you've heard me talk about this many times, but I believe what we have to have as a society is a target, a goal 
I believe on a previous podcast, I talked about, you know, vision statements, statements and mission statements. And uh, there was a period of time when I really rolled my eyes at those things. And especially, you know, talking about, you know, the hospital and we would bring out a marker board and we'd brainstorm, you know, what is, what is the vision statement for the hospital? And it's that we care and that we put people first. And, and I'd kind of roll my eyes like, okay, this, you know, we could, this isn't very complicated. Um, until I started to have my own ministry, GoFam Ministries. And, and uh, I remember my big brother came up to me and said, you need to have a vision statement. You need to have a mission statement so that when people want to steer you away from what you're called to do, you can actually refer to the statement and explain to them that even though that's a good idea, it doesn't line up with the trajectory of this ministry. And I believe that's true in any cause, any anything that we're looking to change, anything that we're looking to move forward with. It's important to know what our target is, what, what we're heading towards, what's the goal. And mission, mission statements and vision statements have that. And I've said many times that I believe that the United States of America has a mission statement. And I believe the mission statement is the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in that order. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It was written at the very beginning as a vision statement for every American, that every American would have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so it gives us a trajectory. So if what we're doing doesn't promote life, <laughs> insert current events, if it doesn't promote liberty, if it doesn't promote pursuit of happiness, then we ought to reconsider doing it. And that's the beauty of having those things written for us. So here's the headline that caught my attention this week. And it's right in my own backyard. Minneapolis Teachers Union Agreement stipulates white teachers be laid off first, regardless of seniority. The agreement reached last spring exempts teachers from under- represented populations from being seniority-based layoffs. So let me read a little bit of this article. An agreement between the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers Union and the school district states that white teachers will be laid off before teachers of color, regardless of their seniority. Quote, if accessing a teacher, uh, which means laying them off or moving them on, who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers in the site, the district shall access the next least senior teacher who is not a member of the underrepresented population. That's their statement. Accessing teachers is a process by which staff are reduced at a particular school due to a drop in enrollment, funding, or other reasons. Well, the reason is drop in enrollment. Let's be real. I know there's always funding issues. But there's a certain irony in this story that I hope you'll catch. And the irony is, of course, that people are dropping out of these schools because they make crazy policies like this policy. And people are fed up and frustrated. The agreement further goes on to say that when reinstating teachers, the district shall prioritize the recall of a teacher who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers in the district, end quote. According to the agreement, the purpose of the policies is to solve, notice the word solve, for past discrimination by the district. 
Students need educators who look like them and who they can relate to, end quote, the document says. Quote, this language gives us the ability to identify and address issues that contribute to disproportionately high turnover of educators of color. So this isn't based on merit. This is not based on seniority. This is based entirely on the color of your skin. And they are making an extremely, if I can be so bold, ugly and bold statement by saying that teachers should look like their students. My friends, that's a bold statement. Now, that sometimes doesn't feel so bold when you're talking about um, maybe an inner city school. But what about suburban Minneapolis? What about the suburbs of Minneapolis? What if a policy came out that said, we believe the teachers of this school should look like the students they serve so that they can relate to them better? It's ugly. That would not fly, nor should it fly. And I do not understand how this can fly here. Now, I understand wanting to have a mix, and I can even understand wanting to be able to relate to children. I, I hear the heart in that. But the only test is the color of your skin. There's another article that I read about professors in liberal colleges throughout the country have begun using a, quote, Woke score. <laughs> oh boy. A woke score of academics. And based on their worldview, based on their positioning of the faculty in the school, they are going to score the professors based on their ability to to demonstrate racial equity. So for instance, they will quiz the professors, quote, how will you approach racial inequity in your classroom? And what I read in this article, and this is, I actually read in several articles, that if you answer that you are going to disproportionately favor those who are in a minority skin color, then you get credit for that in your woke score. If you say something to the effect of, I'm going to approach everybody equally, irregardless of their skin color, or I'm going to approach my teaching from a colorblind standpoint, you will be dinged and you will be decreased in your woke score. And so they are, they are um, interviewing professors in their regards, in their responses to these very simple questions. It's very sobering. It's very dangerous. And what I would like to present today, completely unhelpful. Completely unhelpful. So let me just take one step back and just review once again, and I've said this probably three, four, five times on this podcast. What does the Bible say about this? It says that we are all one race, one blood. It says God has made of one blood all peoples of the earth, Acts 17, 
26. The Bible makes it very clear that we're all descendants of Adam and Eve and ultimately of Noah. And so we are all one race, one blood. What does science say? Science did the Human Genome Project, which concluded irrefutably that we are all one race, one blood. We are the human race. Bible, science, common sense. And yet we have racialized our country more now than we ever have. I know that there's an insidious evolutionary piece of this, which we need to embrace. And I will talk about more. I've talked about it in the past, but we have to keep ringing that bell because it's an ugly connection to evolution. But we need to have a scientific, a rational, and a moral target. We need to have a mission statement. Otherwise, all we do is throw our hands around and shake our fist at each other in anger without any real goal or aim. And that's what I see in our society. A woke score? Are you kidding me? Somebody thinks that's a real solution. Some people think that only firing white people and hiring minorities is the solution. In fact, it says it is done to solve past discrimination. They see this as a solution to a problem. And I believe that it's the opposite. Now, again, I'm not at all trying to diminish uh, the pain of the past. That is never the goal. But here we sit in 2022 with, with, with this problem in front of us. Where are we going to head? How are we going to talk about it? How is, are we as Christians going to approach the world from a compassion standpoint as well as from a solution standpoint, a real solution? Because we have the answers. Well, I believe that in 1963, there was a, another mission statement that was placed over our country, a direction, a target for us. And I believe it would be really smart of us to pursue it. I'm going to read a large portion of the I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King Jr. If you haven't heard it, this is almost all of it. I've cut out some parts of it, but the parts that apply to my podcast, I'm going to read. Because I believe he laid out a mission statement for us. And I believe it was full of passion. It was full of, of real emotion. It was full of perspective. And it was full of strategy. August 28th, 1963, Martin Luther King in Washington, D.C. I'm happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Here is a man that knew what he was doing and knew at the time what was happening. Five score years ago, a great American in whom symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering justice, injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the Negro, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 
100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. 100 years later, the Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. And so we've come here today to dramatize a shameful condition. In a sense, we have come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable, unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Do you see what's happening here? He is actually referencing the mission statement of America and said and saying what we are seeing today does not line up with the mission statement. This is the point of a mission statement so that when things are contrary to, to the trajectory of a country, of a ministry, of a business, of a family, that we can actually reference our mission statement and be brought back into alignment. This is what he's doing. So he actually references Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Don't you find that interesting? He goes on to say, It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. Let me read that again. We refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this, of this nation. And so we have come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice. We have also come to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or taking the tra tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. I love the word brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all God's children. It would be fatal for the nation to overlook the urgency of this moment. This sweltering summer of the Negro's legitimate discontent will not pass until there is an invigorating autumn of freedom and equality. 1963 is not an end, but a beginning. Those who hope that the Negro just needs to, uh, the Negro needed to blow off steam and will now be content will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. There will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the Negro is granted his citizenship rights. The whirlwinds of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. But there is something I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold which leads to the palace of justice. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must ever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. 
We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. The marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. And they have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. As we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And when this happens, when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. I believe there's a nugget in this message that is a target, is a mission statement. And it's, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where there will not be, they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. My friends, that is the target. That is a goal. I believe Minneapolis Teachers Union made a ruling completely on the color of skin and ignored the content of character. So it's simple. When you have a target, when you have a mission statement, then you ask, is every, we can ask of every woke decision or every uncomfortable confrontation, does this move us closer to the dream or further from the dream? Does this move us closer to the target or further from the target? If we are complacent, or we stop talking about it, or we're hoping that the summer of the discontent of the Negro just simply passes away. Does that move us closer or further away? Can we examine our own hearts in the brotherhood? What do we bring to the table? It's easy to sit here and say, well, I'm not racist. I have no part to play in this. And these people are overreacting. But we need to sit at the table of brotherhood. We need to be engaged and involved, not just because it's uncomfortable or we hope this all goes away. No, because they are, they are our brothers. And our future is tied to their future. The future of this country is tied to their future. The destiny, our destiny is tied to their destiny, as Martin Luther King says. 
There is a powerful tool of forgiveness that we need to deep dig deep into that well. But it's forgiveness with liberty. Forgiveness and liberty rules the day. I believe Martin Luther King, 60 years ago, gave us a vision statement, a mission statement, a target for our society. That we will not be judged by the color of our skin, which is all brown, by the way. And we're all one race. But by the content of our character. Where that will matter more than anything. I have so much more to say about this because I'm so passionate about it. And I feel like it's so critical that we, that we are able to engage on this topic. Sometimes we get caught in our own little worlds. And as Martin Luther King says, that we just hope that it'll all just sort of drift away and that, that uh, the Negro just needs to blow off steam and we want to return to business as usual. We can't do that. That's not healthy. That's not appropriate for our society or for culture. And we need to be on the front lines as ambassadors of heaven to take on this topic, to talk about it with our children, to look each other in the eye and say, what role do I play? Is there anything in me that still needs to be rooted out that has that place that we judge people on the color of their skin instead of the content of their character? I believe we can let the Holy Spirit examine our own hearts and let him pull it out at the root. And then, and only then, do we move closer to the dream. I want to talk more about this. I discovered uh, one of the best written articles because you know that I believe that a target is colorblindness and yet colorblindness now is being talked about as negative and wrong all because of this. And I believe I found an article that was so well written that I do want to dissect and share with you because I believe it will really help us being able to talk about this. We cannot be afraid no matter what the color of our skin is to engage one another to bring healing to our country. We have the answer. We have the answer. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that this probably won't be, my next podcast will be released on a Thursday instead of a Wednesday, if that matters to you, so that I can have one more day to, to uh, prepare. It is my pleasure to share my heart with you. I hope you feel the passion within me, not only for this podcast, but for our country, for our nation, and for our families. I love you so much. Thank you for listening again this week. Now let's go together to set and shape the culture.